I'm Leah Mice, and you're listening to Bridging the Gap. This is the podcast where we talk to blind and visually impaired music creators and producers to better understand their workflows surrounding technology. This podcast is for everyone, whether you're part of the visually impaired and blind community, or you're simply curious about how visually impaired and blind music producers are using technology. This podcast is also available with closed captions on YouTube. Today's theme is online communities, and we are joined by Andre Louis, Connor McFellamy, and Gudrun Bruno. Hello. Hello. Gudrun, I might begin with you. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your musical background? Okay, I'm Swedish. I do vocal instruction online, and I also create uh, accompaniment for myself. I'm a singer, and I create radio shows where I read stories and I often introduce sound effects and music, and I script announcements to tie the show together, and that's a weekly show. And um, I use different uh, equipment, but I do go to a lot of Zoom events uh, to perform. There's a a karaoke and there's a San Francisco folk club and music that I go to and some other things like that. So that's me. (laughs) Connor, can you tell us a little bit about your music that you make? Hi, Leah. Thanks for having us here today. Yeah, so I'm in uh, Ireland here in the northwest of Ireland. So always been a musician since a young young kid eight or nine started playing the drums uh, older brother played the drums so I started having a go on his drum kit and have always played in bands and then at a later stage picked up the guitar uh, then a little bass and kind of have always played in bands some original bands some rocky punk bands when I was younger uh, I've worked as a musician for a while as well, where it was my main source of income. Uh, these days, I'm doing a little bit more singer-songwriter stuff and just got into recording from home here, kind of over the pandemic, around two years ago. So I'm kind of loving that as a hobby. I have always been interested in music and all different types of music, but normally if it's got a drum kit and some guitars, I'm pretty happy. So yeah, that's me. Thanks. And Andre, would you mind introducing yourself? Hello. So I'm Andre and I'm from London. You know, I've been a musician since I was probably three, so they tell me. And um, I now teach blind students how to use Logic. I'm a Logic user primarily on the other side of the fence from the other two in the room, uh, that side. But uh, I do use Windows uh, as a daily driver as well, so I kind of can pick up either or really. I play piano and keys and I sort of live in the Native Instruments complete control world for a lot of my, my music. A gig as well, I should say. Um, for example, yesterday, I was in a six-hour rehearsal for the band that I'm playing with. So, yeah, I sort of keep busy doing that. What's the name of this band so we can all check it out? This particular band is called Searchlight. So, you mentioned you use Pro Tools. Do you encounter any significant access barriers when you're using Pro Tools? I'm Logic, not Pro Tools. And uh, as an Apple-made product... That doesn't mean that there are no accessibility issues. There are plenty of them, and we have to kind of fight to be heard to get them because it's such a huge corporation. Um, yeah, there's. I would say that there's access issues in just about anything. Uh, Logic is no exception. Just because it's made by the same people that make the computer that you use it on, that does not mean that it is access virus-free, if you will. And when you say you need to fight, is it personally you fighting or are you talking about the community? 
I just think advocacy in general and trying to reach someone within the company can sometimes prove quite difficult and irritating. But, you know, we have to push forward and do what we do because if we don't, it won't get done. I've never kind of tried to contact Logic or Apple about anything accessibility related. Is there a person that is in charge of this domain? There is one person I know that um, I think still works there. And I had his email, but he never seems to respond to them. But there's also the um, accessibility line, which is a 1-800 number in the US and an 0800 number here in the UK. So I think you can probably get through to a body or a somebody that can maybe do something with luck. <laughs> Gudrun, you have been blind since birth. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to navigating music software, can you just tell us a little bit about that? It is highly... Some music uh, programs have scripts that kind people have written for them, you know, such as SoundForge, older versions of SoundForge. I don't know if newer versions have. And then, of course, Reaper has a very fine scripts that uh, people have learned and, and, and written and, and made tutorials for. Band in a Box... There's a guy who writes scripts for them too. We're very, it's very difficult to navigate most musical software without special scripts for JAWS, uh, because otherwise it's very much built on move the mouse, cl right click there, left click there, and select that parameter there. And the, you cannot even read all the parameters without the scripts. You're cursor does not land at all where it's helpful for you to read. <laughs> so, <laughs> Connor, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences? My experience is very positive. So over the pandemic, well, I had more time on my hands. So I decided to, to, to have a look at the recording. I have no experience of recording previous to that. So we're talking from 2020. So I was following the Reaper, there's a Reaper mail list, RWP list, where, you know, everybody who's, everybody's on it is blind anyway, so nobody accesses the screen visually. So that was my first kind of go-to. Got a laptop, downloaded Reaper, watched the list, uh, asked a few questions. I did organize some lessons, some one-to-one -one lessons with one of the tutors on there. And I was off to the races. So my experience has actually been excellent. And where I am two years later, where I'm churning out music and I'm able to, you know, the mixing and mastering probably the, is the next stage for me. But I'm getting my recordings down. I'm able to pull them out and have a listen and stuff like that. So I'm actually finding the experience super accessible. I'm getting like, I would say, 90% of the way through. Some of the third-party stuff that I'm running into, third-party plugins and stuff and extra software where you're having to go somewhere else to do stuff. Yeah, you're hitting a few barriers there, but but no, my, my experience in Reaper so far is excellent. It's excellent. I can't speak highly of it enough. And just that, the extension that's been designed for it is called Ozara, and that's what gives you the extra kind of keyboard support on there. So you can do a lot of the stuff just with keyboard shortcuts. That's amazing. So I have light perception in my left eye, it's blind, but blindness, of course, is a spectrum. And my right eye is fully sighted. So my question to you, as you have some light perception yourself. Yeah, yeah, just light perception, but yeah, yeah. When you're using this music software, like I'm guessing that's not that useful to you in terms of navigation. 
I'm accessing it non-visually, I think is that kind of the best way to say it, isn't it? So yeah, so the screen, essentially the screen could be switched off, you know, because I'm, I'm just navigating through and everything's being read to me by my screen reader, NVDA. That's the other software that reads, you know, so whatever's on the screen as you navigate around, that's being read out to you. So yeah. That's fantastic. So as today's episode is about online communities, what role does the internet and online communities play in your use of music software? Well, I, I'll take this first, if that's all right, then, because I'm part of a WhatsApp group for a couple of different products. One of them is Logic, one of them is Complete Control. And since Complete Control is door agnostic, I've come to learn that people are using that, obviously, on whatever they wish to use, whether that's Pro Tools, Reaper, or Logic. Samplitude as well comes up from time to time. So that's quite fun. I've really enjoyed helping and being helped, particularly on, on WhatsApp, and Logic is the same uh, that one, of course, is more specialist because it's just about one piece of music software. But, uh, you know, online communities, at least for me, have been very, very useful. And as someone who likes to learn and to pass on that knowledge, I find that people often come to me to ask questions and get their questions answered because I tend to look at my phone probably far more than I should. Yeah, I, <laughs> I would kind of second that. It's super niche what we're doing. It's super niche. So a Google sometimes isn't going to get you there. So I think that's why we tend to look to our online community. So for me, I follow, it's just the email list, super close. Um, You know, there's stuff on there you'll pick up every day that you'll learn something. And then something real simple for me the other day, I was like, I forgot how to create a folder in Reaper, how to drop my drums into a folder. So a quick email and, you know, got back. It was press shift enter something as simple as that you know came back so for real for a newbie like me you know it's been um super useful and uh i used to um be on well i think i still am on the midi mag list there's a there's one called midi mag and there it's very helpful and uh i i stand at the threshold of having to leave my trusty soundforge version 8 and try to to learn the one that comes with a samplitude suite, Soundforge 14. So uh, I am going to need uh, some help. And I have uh, Reaper and Osara. So, and I know that there is a strong uh, support group there. So, yeah, I think online communities are very important. You get more help there. Always somebody who knows something that you don't know. <laughs> And how did you find these communities to begin with, Gudrun? Well, MIDI Mag, I think I was told about it. And I've also been told about the Reaper and Osara support group by people who use it. And uh, yeah, basically just word of mouth, I think. Gosh, uh, MIDI Mag brings back memories. I think my first introduction to MIDI Mag was probably around 1996 or seven. I had utterly forgotten its existence. I was on it in school, even though I had no reason to be. I just found it interesting. So I think someone told me about it. I signed up and then years later, I forgot about it. But yeah, I mean, learning logic. Well, I started in 2016. There were very, very few at that time online resources for doing so. There was one site run by a guy called Gary, which was blindlogic.org. That didn't last long. His tutorials were very good, though. And uh, the site, I don't know, he let it lapse or something. Do you think he had any support to put that together or was he doing it for just for sharing more information? I think he was doing it because sharing is caring, which is something that I also live by. You know, there's a couple of other websites these days, 
but primarily it's just word of mouth. You know, you'll find out someone that knows something or they point you at someone else who knows something and then communities spring up. At least that's kind of what, what I've seen for myself. Do you think there should be more investment in people running these types of tutorials and sites and communities? Well, I think that that, I don't know if it's going to change necessarily, but I think it, it, it could be on the brink of change. I don't know if you know, for example, that Slough was commissioned by Berkeley College of Music to make um, paid tutorials for Pro Tools. All the tutorials are free, but he, he was paid to, to do these. And I think that's great, you know, a real university getting involved in making accessible tutorials by someone who themselves lives and breathes and uses this and who is also blind. Because there's a lot of virtue signaling come from a lot of different people. Let's make a thing for someone with a disability. But I don't have that disability myself. I just want to be helpful. Well, you could be more helpful by getting someone who does have it and can advise you good. And that's what they've done. And I think that's great. If other DAWs or things like that had that as well, or maybe motivated the people that do this stuff uh, just off their own back to do that, I think we'd be in a probably a slightly better place. I don't know. That seems maybe cynical, but... It's not cynical at all. Hopefully, these are going to become the more standardised ways of, you know, working with accessibility features is to actually have, you know, the communities who are blind and visually impaired or whatever accessibility requirement is is involved is to be actually the designers or the collaborators in the process from the ground up. Well, exactly. And Connor, you're inspiring me, by the way, to actually pull out Reaper because Reaper is the only accessible DAW that is cross-platform. It is accessible on Windows and Mac. Ostara lives on both platforms. I purchased it, but I don't use it. I purchased it in hopes that if I had it and have paid for it, I would actually sit down and use it more. But because I'm comfortable and stubborn, I haven't done it. It's good to have more tools in your toolbox than just one. Yeah. And I think um, as we're doing a podcast, Leah, that was one of my first resources where I heard about Reaper and the accessibility feature. So it was just one of the accessible tech um, podcasts. I think there was a guy in Australia put up some tutorials and one of the first ones was how to install Reaper, which, you know, sounds really simple, but it was actually super useful. And, you know, how to get Reaper up and running, how to get the extension up and running. And then, you know, you were off and working on your first project. So, yeah, resources like that are crucial, crucial. And the more we have and the easier they are to find, it's going to be, you know, to, to everyone's benefit. I would love to see something that was put in place to allow people that don't know they need to know to know they need to know by which I mean that there are lots of bedroom producers around the world, blind or not, that want to make music and think that they, don't, that they can't do it because no one's told them any different. I want everybody to have the choice. I'm going to throw this one to you, Andre. Can you describe the type of relationships you have with other people in the online vision-impaired and blind music-making community? I think, I'd like to think that they find me useful in that I like to pass on information that can help them and be helpful for them going forward. Uh, it's the teacher in me. Um, during pandemic, as I said, I started teaching logic to blind students and I found that I had a real calling for it and it became a massive passion of mine so much so that I have been very strongly considering going to teacher training college. At the minute, I've just been doing it for the sake of doing it, enjoying it, but doing it like on a one-to-one -one basis because as I said, passing on knowledge is really fun. And uh, just seeing people thrive once they learn that is just really, really special to me. What's the platform that you use to teach? I will teach however the student best wants it, as long as Teams is not involved. I'll use Zoom, I'll use FaceTime. I've done TeamTalk before as well. Teach on Sonobus. 
over the phone if need be, just as long as the knowledge is passed on. What I do is I record my end of the conversation and theirs too, because if it's a phone call, for example, like FaceTime, I answer it on the Mac and then I record that using the sound card. So I have them put their phone near their computer with voiceover coming through the speakers so that the recording then goes back to them and they go, oh, I pressed this to get that effect. And I absolutely love it. I wish I'd even done it sooner. Why not Teams? Because Teams sucks. It's evil. Now, Zoom, that's a platform that really cares. I mean, they might not necessarily have done a lot of voiceover testing, but their app just works really, really well. It has shortcut keys everywhere. You know, I feel like they've done a great, great job with accessibility, even if it was only accidental accessibility. And I should clarify that term for people who don't know what that is. Accidental accessibility is when your product just happens to work, even if you may not have done any in-house testing. Gudrun, are hotkeys the main kind of source of what helps make these platforms accessible for you? I would say so, yeah. I, I don't like to have to navigate a lot because it's slower. It gets you there quickly when you want to do something. I think the, so. When these when these products are designed, so when like when the the architecture at the, at the beginning, if accessibility is considered, then it tends to be so much better for us. The problem with so retrofitting, so trying to fix things going back the ways, that's where we have problems. So our life would be a lot easier if we were considered at design phase. So we referenced Microsoft Teams there my work use it so it actually has got a bit better they have implemented some shortcut keys which now do fix the problems but yeah they weren't there two years ago you know so it wasn't usable so i think what's key for us and with all software so when it's being designed if we're being considered and it's been well thought out and everything's labeled for us and stuff like that that's what gives us you know a much better experience what I'll say about Zoom is I did my Reaper lessons over Zoom and it really did work very well because we were able to share sound, stereo HD sound across. So like live mix on there and understand about panning stuff and all those sorts of wee things. So I have to say from the music tutorial point of view, Zoom was king. It really was. And they seem to really up their game during pandemic. Accessibility was sort of felt like it was very important. Yeah, totally agree. And I, ha- I have an analogy about accessible things, and you kind of touched upon it. If you're building a house as an architect, and you have 10 floors, and you don't have a lift in your building, and then you try to retrofit one later, you're going to run into problems, right? Accessibility isn't A, just for Christmas, nor is it a bolt-on action that you can add later. That is what ugly accessibility is. And that's why people think accessibility is such a nasty word, because they don't do what Connor said and build it in from day one ground zero if you put it in later you are going to regret it and just on on that leah so i kind of mentioned the some of the third-party plugins that i use i have run into accessibility issues on reaper so things like my guitar amps and stuff but juice is one of the platforms that they develop on so the the interface is there it's actually the latest versions now are at a much more accessible stage. So it's real good. So as all these third parties start to use the framework, you know, that just because it's initially because it's accessible from this model on, it's going to give a better experience to us all again. So so things like that. So it is happening. It is getting better. But there's still a lot of there's still a lot of things out there which, you know, you do run into. For One example for me is Plugin Alliance. Yeah. So have they've got some great 
great plugins, but their downloader sucks. Their downloader is completely inaccessible. So when you go to it with your screen reader, you get zero feedback. So for me, I was having to, you know, bring in a sighted person to help me download the plugins that I had just purchased. So, you know, not great. Whereas once I got them on the Reaper and up and running, they were pretty good. So just real simple things like that, you know, that real barrier at the start. Juice is, is definitely one of those things. I have two plugins manufacturers that I can think of right now that are using Juice in the right way. Pianotech from Modart and all the SWAM instruments from Audio Modeling. And they are using Juice and have built with accessibility in mind. Now, UVI Workstation, on the other hand, have built their product, which is called UVI Workstation, on the Juice framework, but they haven't planned for accessibility. However, due to accidental accessibility, the product is reasonably accessible and seems to be getting slightly more so with every release. I don't think that they did testing for that. It's just one of those things because there are places where you just blatantly know that someone didn't do anything, but there's places where there are buttons that are labeled. So it's an interesting thing, this Juice paradigm. And for the people listening outside in the podcast world, it's Juice 6.1 and above that have the accessibility framework. So if you are building a product and you're using Juice, please, please use Juice 6.1 and upwards. Do you have any experience in product testing and is this something that people may want to get involved in? I test many products all the time and I give feedback to developers and we have chats like this. Sometimes they get quite frank. Oh, your comments could become very frank. I don't hold back, especially where I'm paying for something and I expect usability. I have just as much right as anybody else to use the product that I've spent hard money on. And if you bar me from that, we're going to have a problem. It's akin to going to a restaurant and having to get someone to cut your food for you or to tie your shoelaces because you cannot do it yourself. And bad accessibility is like that. It can be quite humiliating. It can be quite burdensome on those around you. And it can also just make sure that you as a developer will lose me as a customer. So don't. 100%. I will not hold back where this is concerned. And I know another guy. We are both kind of advocates in, in all these sort of places. And we both very much don't hold back in our thoughts on it, on these things. Nor should you, because your thoughts are what's making it better, especially in that context. Your experiences of using these products are only going to make the products better. Well, this is it, you see. And it's worked. I've seen it happen. You know, we've pushed for things before and things have become you know, slightly more accessible over time. Sometimes they take a year or two or even three years. But those year or two or three years, at least you know someone's doing something instead of, you know, be seen to be doing something, which is not the same, by the way. My partner and I on Band in a Box, we uh, got a person assigned uh, to work with us off and on. Uh, one of the person who does manual, uh, she's, she writes manuals, but she's also... Uh, very sharp and she has been with us several times and she really wants to hear what JAWS says and how JAWS behaves so we can show her how things are not accessible. So we're hoping that Band in a Box, the next update, will have some improvements in. Band in a Box is accidentally inaccessible, totally. <laughs> I mean, with some exceptions, you can use some of it, but you have five areas in the menu and they don't explain they don't go through one area at a time as you tab you're in one area 
that you land in, then you tab and you're in another area and labels are not read correctly and everything. So, uh, and that's um, been hard for the developer of the scripts as well, because it's hard to, to kind of sometimes to know what it should say because it's so the uh, labels are cryptic and the only reason you still go with band in a box is it's so darn fun to use the program and generate accompaniments to a song in different styles and with different instruments and it's so darn fun you can, <laughs> you want to work with it i've always wanted to use it but i never i never could for the reasons you said even though i play myself i really want to mess with it it sounds so fun and we have tutorials. We have a first set of tutorials that we have uh, launched for people. That's exciting. How are people going to be able to access these tutorials? They cost $25 and they uh, uh, have about seven or eight tutorials in there. And it takes you through how to set up a project and <laughs> start recording a song, uh, how to cut and copy bars and make a song form, you know, A, B, B, A or B, you know, A, A, B, A or whatever. And how, how to, pre you know, how to set stuff up like that. And uh, what kind of chords Band in a Box can use. And it has keyboard shortcuts, which I have arranged. They have uh, F3 to do this. Uh, I have done the reverse. If you want to do this, you, what key do you use? Uh, so I have reversed the keyboard uh, shortcuts. But if they, if you remember the old cake talking by David Pinto for, for Sonar, Cakewalk Sonar, he actually had two keyboard lists, one with a key with the key stroke first and then the function. Oh, and also the function and then the key stroke. Oh, so it's about usability because it depends on which way you want to hear it. Yeah. So uh -huh. function colon keystroke that's kind of how, how i have it. it you know so i have reversed that i think that's better because if you're powering down a list and you've got a client in the room and you need to know how to do xyz very quickly just give me the function and then i can listen to the key after the function it's about leah for example if you're glancing down a list as you can see you're probably scanning multiple things at once without realizing it but if you're blind you have to hear things in a particular order and you can't necessarily change that order on the fly because what you get is what you get. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you'll hear the first beginning and you'll just go skip, skip, skip. That's yeah. fantastic, Gudrun. So Connor, I have a question for you. I am wondering whether there are other benefits to being part of these online communities other than just learning the accessible kind of hotkey commands or how to accessibly use these this music <coughs> software. How do these communities help you in your music making or outside of that? Yeah, that's funny. So once you get beyond, you know, the accessibility stuff that we need, I've actually found a few good musicians on there, <laughs> believe it or not. So yeah, I needed some keyboards and I may have found another keyboard player today, Andre. Happy uh, to help every yeah. day. So yeah, finding musicians. So it's actually really good when we can take the accessible, you know, take that stuff away then and then you're, you know, you're mainstream. So I needed a keyboard player for a song, for one of my own songs. I wanted some keys on it. So I was able to find a guy on the list and sent it over to him and he did me a recording gave him a few notes, came back again and, you know, I paid him a few few quid for the work and there you go, it was great, you know, and he was another fellow blind musician too, like, so, so I think that, you know, just the sense of community, being able to find people 
you know, and he was working on Reaper as well. So it was all um, it was all seamless stuff, real good. I can attest to that because I found my partner in Canada on a forum. This was actually a forum for sighted, I mean, just anybody bend in a box users. I had about given up trying to find somebody. I had written to PG Music, tried to ask, can I get a person to f- work with me one of your for a couple of hours to try to figure out some workarounds? Nada. And I wrote again, nada. And I wrote to the forum once, nothing really. And I thought, well, I'm about to give up, but I'm going to try one more time just so that I can say to myself that I've tried, you know, and and I got the I struck gold with this Roy R. Robinson in Canada. Andre, have you discovered any anything else, any other uses for these communities outside of the obvious? Yeah, I picked up students as a result, people that wanted one-to-one lessons that could benefit from, you know, they want to be like, okay, well, I want to produce this kind of music or I want to go off and go to, to school and my university is using logic. What can I do? Will they support me? And yeah, they'll support you if I make them. Sometimes you have to actually force people into compliance um, particularly unis like you know pay for a tutor pay for someone to give one-to-one lessons to their students so that they're not left behind you know and that that's kind of fall under the accessibility banner in part but at the same time it allows the student in the classroom to be at one with their other students who can see and there's no reason for disability to stop you doing whatever it is you want to do well on that note i think we should wrap it up thank you so much andre louis connor mcfellamy and gudrun bruno this has been an amazing chat You've been listening to Bridging the Gap and please tune in next time.